your finances will leave a long-lasting impact on your family. After all, you only retire once. If you're looking to discuss all things pertaining to your retirement, you've come to the right place. This is Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. Well, hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. I'm Mark Haywood alongside Mike Stewart. He's the founder of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial, serving you with an office in Crystal Lake, Illinois. Check him out online, find past shows, more information about your finances at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. And Mike, I know you've been doing this for almost two decades now, almost 20 years of experience as a financial planner. And really, I know that your office is really a one-stop shop with a CPA. I mean, enrolled agent, paralegal, all on staff. They can help when it comes to all things financial and really any retirement matters. That's the name of the show. And so I know you're proud to be able to offer those services and welcome into the show today. Thanks. Good to talk to you again, Mark. Yeah, good to be back with you. Mike, before we get into the show today, I always like to do a little bit of in the news, as we like to call it here on the podcast. Just like to check in, see what's going on in the financial financial world and how it might apply to your finances. Let's kick it off the day with a recent headline that we've seen. Mike, in many markets around the country, home prices are skyrocketing. Do you think we're on the verge of another housing crash like we saw 10 years ago? It seems like there's a little bit of deja vu out there. There are indeed some challenges for the housing market, but I believe they're not the same as the last housing bust that we had. If you recall in 2007, 2009, when we had the last housing crash, it was a combination of just poor lending standards that just drove the values to crazy territory. You know, and that was based on easy money lending, no money down, mortgages, you know, and we're just not there today. The lending standards are a lot better. But there are three issues with the housing market that are beginning to apply some pressure. The first one is supplies low. There's been very little new suburban home construction outside of apartments in suburban Chicago and actually most metropolitans that has pushed the prices up just due to there being low inventory out there. So it's kind of an artificial supply demand because there hasn't been a lot of construction. Secondly, and, you know, and this is a big thing, you know, we hear a lot about the millennials and that, but it's that a lot of the homes that were built pre-2008, that last housing construction boom, our larger homes, you know, they were referred to as the McMansions, you know, the big lots, the big homes. And that's not really what the younger buyers are looking for these days. New buyers want access to transportation. They want amenities. They want new technology within their homes, not just a large home. So a lot of the existing product that was built before the last housing boom uh, just isn't what new first-time home buyers want. You know, so that's a problem from supply demand as well. So limited inventory is good for home prices, but only if it's the product that buyers want. And probably a third thing, and this is a really new thing in the last couple months here, is that the new tax law takes into account that a significant amount of married individuals now are likely going to be claiming the new standard deduction of about 24000 rather than itemizing off their property taxes and their mortgage interest. So there's a less likelihood that they're going to get any tax benefit from itemizing or writing off that mortgage interest and real estate taxes. And that's a big deal because current homeowners and potential new home buyers are going to evaluate if they really want that big home with the high property taxes and the high mortgage if there's no tax benefit to do so. Now, years back, you could justify paying that mortgage interest and the property taxes knowing that at least you got to write them off your taxes. The recent tax law change is going to have unforeseen consequences within the housing market, and that may lead to letting some air out of the home price balloon for more expensive homes, especially if you live in an area with high property taxes like we do in Illinois. Yeah, it seems, Mike, I like what you said at the beginning of that thought, and that is just that even though this scenario is somewhat similar 
to that in 2008, all this accelerated growth, just booming market. It's a different set of circumstances. It kind of reminds me of the old old saying, past performance is indicative of past results. And that's just the idea that, you know, you can't entirely predict what the market's going to do next. Now you can learn from the past and prepare for the future, but it's important that you do just that rather than speculating on what's going to happen. And I know, Mike, that you specialize in helping people to plan for the future there at your firm. As always, if you'd like to reach out to Mike and the team at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial, you can do so by calling 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. 3092. All right. I want to take a quick listener question here. I know you enjoy listening to the podcast and we always welcome you to write in questions. Maybe we'll feature them here on the podcast. So let's take one today from Lisa. It comes to us from Lisa in Algonquin. Lisa says, can you explain the 4% rule? How does it work? And is it something I can rely on? Yeah, Lisa, this is a question that I get a lot and I'll share with you what the 4% rule is supposed to be when it came about, and more importantly, the two ways it fails and can cause your financial harm in today's market environment. Now, in the 90s, the 4% rule came about as a supposed, quote, safe withdrawal rate. You know, as retirees began needing income from their mutual fund portfolios and their retirement plans at work, their 401ks. And what it means is that if you have a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds, you should conceivably be able to withdraw about 4% of the value for income without worrying about running out of money, even if stock markets decline in the short term. Now, the problem is that in the 90s, if you recall, the market was healthy, adding nearly double-digit returns annually, and more importantly, short-term interest rates, so the bond portion of that portfolio, was around 5-6%. So even if markets declined temporarily, you still had the fixed interest half of your portfolio kicking in 5-6% to to stabilize it. So where the 4% rule fails is really in two areas when we're looking at today's climate. First, interest rates are near historic lows and closer to 2% than they are 5 to 6. So if we get a market decline, the fixed interest half of our portfolio is no longer contributing a large part of that extra income that we need. And second, and this is what is really scary, is that I've seen this happen to too many people the last 18 years when we've had two bear markets, and I call it reverse dollar cost averaging. Now, most people are familiar with dollar cost averaging. It's how you invest in your 401k. Every paycheck, you add money to your investments. If they're up, you buy less shares because they're more expensive. If they drop in value, new money buys more shares since they're cheaper. So over time, you get an average price. So you never pay too much or too little. Now, dollar cost averaging works when you're accumulating money. You're growing your money as you're young. But the problem is it works just the opposite, and it can harm you in the distribution phase. And I'm going to give you an example of a 60-year-old couple that I met back when I first started in the business in 2000. So 18 years ago, they were retiring with a million dollars and they needed about $40,000 of income. So on a million dollars at that 4% safe withdrawal rate, you could take out 40,000 of income. So their broker said, hey, you'll be fine. Just stay in stocks and bonds. They thought I was a little too conservative with my strategy. So of course, you know, being new to the business, they didn't want to work together. Well, we know what happened. 2000 to 2002, the markets declined by nearly half. And over those three years, they still had to withdraw that $40,000 a year. So they actually took out about $120,000 and the stock market took another $300,000. So by the end of 2003, they only had about $580,000 left. You know, the broker, you know, told them in typical broker fashion, you know, stay put, time in the market, not timing in the market. So when they had talked to me in 2003 again, they said, nope, I think we're still going to stay put. Well, we all know what happened. So the problem is that they still needed that $40,000 of income just to pay their bills. 
But 40,000 now from 580,000, what was left of the million, that's withdrawing about 7%. Now, luckily for them, the markets between 03 and 07 basically continued to rise. So they got to still continue to pull out their 40,000. And around 2007, they actually were still at about $600,000. So, you know, from that point, it seems like, you know, the, the story is going to win with that safe withdrawal rate, with the exception of what happened in 2007. We had the financial crisis. We had another market that got cut in half between 2007 and 2009, and they still needed to take the $40,000 a year out of income. By the time they came and saw me again in 2010, they were panicked because now they weren't 60 anymore. They were 70. And between the taking the income that they had to pay their bills, their million dollar investment account was now down to $250,000. And they realized for the first time that they're actually going to run out of money before they run out of life. Now, we did some planning with them and, you know, we tried to put a Band-Aid on it. But because of where their new starting point was, of course, it was less. You know, Wall Street likes that 4% safe withdrawal rule, but that doesn't really sound very safe to me if you can lose three quarters of your money in a down market while you're just trying to take what they said was a safe withdrawal rate. I know on our practice, we discuss only two what we call safe withdrawal strategies with clients. One is what in my book I call eat the eggs, not the chickens. And that's what we do is we set aside enough principal that's going to generate interest and dividends that's going to generate the amount of income that we need. So that way we're not concerned about markets going up, down, sideways because our interest and dividends, our income is consistent. The second thing that we do is a safe withdrawal rate is what we call risk transference. We transfer the risk of running out of money to an insurance company and that insurance company will pay my client a set amount of income until they take their last breath for the rest of their lives like a pension. Now, unlike a pension, they don't have to give up all their principal day one for that benefit. They get to stay invested. And even if the market doesn't cooperate or returns are low, they still get that same income for the rest of their lives. You know, so as it relates to the 4% safe withdrawal rate, Lisa, in my opinion, a random percentage isn't a safe withdrawal rate because you can't control market returns or losses. A real safe withdrawal rate is knowing exactly the amount of income that's coming in like clockwork, whether markets are up, down, or sideways. It'd be great if we knew the constant flow of the market, but that's just it. It's not constant. There's so many variables. And I think the one point that I want to highlight that you said there, Mike, that I thought was so good, you talked about that couple's fear of being in a situation where they were running out of money before they ran out of life. And I think that's the key is you want to make sure that your money outlives you. Maybe you're the type of person that wants to send the last check to the bank and have it bounce. At the same time, you need to plan as if you want your money to last on because you want to make sure that you have enough to live on. You don't know when your last day on this earth is going to be. And so you want to make sure you have a plan that will take you not just to retirement, but all the way through retirement. I know that's something that you and the team at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial specialize in. And again, I'll just give out that phone number for the firm. It's 815-526-3092, 815-526-3092. If you have more questions about the 4% rule, the headline that we read earlier in the show, or even the topic we're about to dive into here, you can give them a call, 815 526 3092. All right, I want to spend the rest of the podcast talking about his and hers retirement planning. If you're married, this will come as no surprise at all, but it takes two to complete a successful retirement plan. And as it were, husbands and wives, men and women, have different financial goals. I want to just examine how that creates conflict here on the show, and I also want to examine how to 
solve some of this conflict because you do you have different goals you have different fears and they're sort of different solutions that need to be taken to bring the two of you together if you're listening to this as a couple especially we want you to view retirement together and be on the same page and so let's just talk about some of the conflict we see and how to solve that Mike, do you find that most couples have spent a lot of time talking about retirement plans before they come meet with you? Or does it seem that their first conversation about financial matters takes place in your office? I like to joke around with clients when they first come in that, you know, I'm a part-time financial planner and part-time marriage counselor. (laughs) Not certified, though, by the way. We should state that for the record. Absolutely. You know, so we're just sitting across the table, kind of, you know, fleshing out the different things on, on try try to come together to some kind of compatible agreement in many instances. So it's all healthy nonetheless. But to, to answer the question about, you know, do clients spend a lot of time talking about it before they come in? I would honestly say that the first time a couple's at my conference table in my office, it's the first time in a long time that they've actually sat down and bared their souls to each other on what's important about money to them and what retirement looks like. And this is understandable. I mean, because as human beings and as married couples, we're all about accommodating the other. And many times this is done by avoidance. They think that if they don't talk about the finances, then they won't fight about them. So typically one spouse handles money management, the other one handles day-to-day household stuff, and it works until it doesn't. So when we get into the at the table about how much income we need in retirement, how much money we want to leave the kids or the grandkids, what does a perfect day in retirement look like? What are they doing? They blankly stare at one another. And I can tell right then and there that many haven't had these conversations before, yet they're knocking on the door of retirement. And I want the listeners to know that that's okay. That's why we use that three-step meeting process, that retirement success blueprint planning process. It vets all these things out and builds what retirement looks like so that they can be successful. Right. It's important that you have those conversations, and I know that you can help get that conversation started. What do you think are some of the primary things that need to be discussed and decided between husbands and wives before true planning can really begin? There has to be an agreement that they share a similar view of what retirement looks like. How much income they need? Do they plan to travel? Uh, Will they be working part-time, volunteering? Are they going to stay in the same home, downsize, move closer to the grandkids? Are they going to be back and forth? We have a lot of clients that are snowbirds. Ideally, they got to be on the same page. If not, we work through that with each of the spouses, what each of their view of retirement looks like, and find out some middle ground on that just to make sure that they're compatible. Because all the decisions that we're going to make going forward regarding the financial plan is going to be based on those agreed upon visions of what their ideal retirement looks like. Okay, so we know that husbands and wives tend to disagree, or not even disagree, just maybe not talk about some of these topics, and perhaps they have different views on some of these topics. What are some of the things that, like the primary issues that husbands and wives often disagree on, would you say? I would say the top two disagreements that we see when we're really putting together kind of a robust plan. The first one surrounds legacy, uh, the amount they plan to leave, how much money to the kids, and also how much risk they're willing to take with their investments. And both of these are easy to address, but it's, it's still important nonetheless. On the legacy side, nearly all of our clients say they want to leave money for the kids or the grandkids. They just want to make sure that they're not going to jeopardize their quality of life, what they've worked so hard for to get to retirement. And they don't want to be skimping pension pennies in retirement just to leave X amount of dollars at some point in the future to the kids. So there's various planning strategies we use to make sure that that legacy amount that they want to leave doesn't impact their ability to use their assets in retirement for their own benefit at the same time. And on the second one is the amount of risk. There's a very real understanding as approaching retirement or actually in retirement 
that this is all the assets that there are. There's not a paycheck coming in tomorrow. So these assets have to last the remainder of both of their lifetimes, regardless of how stock markets and the interest rates perform. And this is where we spend a significant amount of time talking about how actually reducing the amount of risk that they're taking actually is gonna increase their chance of success. So you know, if there are any two specific disagreements to where maybe they're not on the same page, it's about how much money are we leaving the kids and how are we gonna do that without sacrificing our own re retirement and how much risk should we and should we not be taking. So, Mike, do you find that one spouse typically handles financial matters? I know we hear that a lot. One spouse is the one that's doing the monthly budget. Maybe one looks at retirement. They're not on the same page, though. And I know you talk about how we need to be on the same page. Is it okay for one spouse to handle certain elements? Or do you typically encourage both to be heavily involved in everything? Uh, that, that's a great question. So as an example, in our first meeting many times, I always encourage both spouses to attend. Now, usually the husband wants to come in and just kick the tires and get his questions answered, but I recommend both attend because this is going to be their retirement plan. The questions, concerns one spouse has may not be the same questions as the other one does. Usually one spouse is asking, you know, the logic right brain questions, you know, what are your fees? What are our numbers look like? How much risk are we taking? While the other is asking the left brain, you know, the more emotional questions based on concerns, fears, what keeps them up at night. And both are equally important when you're planning. So regardless of who's paying the bills or watching those accounts, they both have to be emotionally invested in an agreement for this plan. And I want to ensure that both spouses have buy-in and we, that we've co-designed this financial plan together that they can live with whether markets are up or down or interest rates are up or down. So we get input from both to make sure all of their questions and concerns are addressed, not just one side of the, the equation. And the reality is that, you know, father time's undefeated. And at some point, there may only be one of them that we're working with. And it's important that whoever the surviving spouse is has been part of that planning process from the beginning so that they have their own internal peace and comfort of knowing that they're still in great shape because we built a plan for that. That's a great point, Mike. We don't know when our time will come, but it is sort of a sad reality that we're going to face. And that is that you are going to lose a spouse at some point or, you know, maybe you'll be the one that goes first. But regardless, you want to make sure that your loved ones are well taken care of when your time comes. You don't want to be left scrambling when a spouse passes away and it's, it's such an emotional time, you want to have a plan in place. And so it's important to get on the same page now so that you can plan for the future together. Make sure you're on the same page, get peace of mind about your retirement and your financial plan. And of course, we encourage you to do so by calling into the team at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial there in Crystal Lake, Illinois. Give the team a call at 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. You can come in, sit down for a meeting with Mike Stewart, talk about your financial situations, get on the same page, understand what's happening in your financial plan, and learn how to prepare for what we hope will be a meaningful retirement. All you have to do is pick up that phone and call 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. 3092. And as always, we'd encourage you to check out the podcast. If you haven't already, if you found this by happenstance, go to crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. All sorts of good information there. Past podcasts. We'll post future podcasts there. That's crystallaketax.com. As always, thank you for joining us on another edition of Retirement Matters. 
investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation, and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof.